We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hi, this is Luka Doncic. Can he get it away in time on the step back? He does! He hits! He hits! And the Mavericks have won the game! Luka Doncic with a 30-footer to win it at the horn! And you're listening to the Mavs Step Back Podcast. How's it going, everybody? Welcome in to another episode of the Mavs Step Back Podcast. I'm your host, Dalton Trigg. I'm joined by my co-host, Matt Galatson. You can find all of my work at Dalton underscore Trigg on Twitter. You can find Matt at Matt underscore Galatson. Uh, and you can also follow the, the podcast itself at Step Back Mavs. We're on Twitter and Instagram and Facebook. So uh, go find us wherever you do most of your social media stuff. And uh, we do some fun stuff on there from time to time. But Matt, how's it going, man? How have you been over this extended uh, all-star break that comes to an end today? Uh, pretty good, man. Just, you know, uh, just grinding the normal grind, I guess. Um, not a lot going on in the world of college football, and I didn't really pay too close of attention to the all-star game other than what Luca was doing. So it was kind of nice to have the the break from – the constant Mavs Twitter griping and, and all the stuff that we usually deal with on a day-to-day basis. It was as much of a break for us as it was for the players, I think. Yeah. On, on one hand, I kind of felt bad because we, you know, we've just been, we've just been absolutely rolling uh, DallasBasketball.com to start this year out. But I mean, it's, it's just been so wild uh, in February, mostly due to the trade deadline that I tried to just, you know, even though it in the back of my mind, it was just like, well, I mean, you could probably do something on this or this, you know, <laughs> I was just like, you know, let's just, let's recharge a little bit and then we'll hit the ground running again once the, the Mavs resume play. But yeah, all-star weekend. I, uh, I, I did, I watched pretty much all of it because I did um, some of those uh, playback watch parties uh, for all the events, and I mean, everything was okay. I mean, the the celebrity game. I mean, I don't think that it's a stretch to say that I saw more impressive dunks in the celebrity game from Miles Garrett than I did the entire dunk contest. Like I, <laughs> I heard the dunk the, contest it, was pretty bad. It was awful. Like the NBA needs to do something. They they need to move the dunk contest as like the opening event instead of the closing Saturday night event, because it's just, it's not what it used to be. It's, it's, it's awful. 
if they're not going to outsource and get some of these other professional dunkers that that do this for a living and you see them all over Instagram and everything, I mean, that would be more entertaining uh, than getting some of these. Like, It'd be more entertaining if they even got the superstars in the league to do it. But, you know, if you're not going to have John Morant and Zach Levine and guys like that joining, then, you know, don't make it a – don't make it the the primetime spot on NBA All-Star Saturday night. But anyway. The fact of the matter is they just don't have – it's like you just said, they don't have the stars doing it. What made the the dunk contest so special back in the day was it was Michael Jordan and Dominique Wilkins and Clyde Drexler and, you know, uh, Spud Carter. Yeah, like Vince Carter. I I guess I'm – going too back too far back in time for some of the youngsters that listen to this podcast, but Vince Carter is a great example. Blake Griffin, even. Like, yeah. Yeah. Even, yeah. You know, even, even if you don't go back, you don't have to go back too far to find Blake Griffin who, I mean, I, I get it. Some people didn't like the, the gimmicks with the jumping over the car and all that stuff. But I mean, it, that added some flair to it at least like it was what I, what I witnessed on Saturday night was just, there was just hardly any creativity. You know, they, if you don't have control of the ball, they don't count it as an actual attempt. Uh, so you had guys like Jalen green uh, from the Rockets. He ended up what felt like 20 attempts before he actually got one to go down. And it actually, I don't know if you've seen the clip online, but uh, there, there's a clip of Kareem Abdul-Jabbar walking out <laughs> right in the middle of Jalen green's uh, performance. So I mean, I think everybody kind of feels the same way about it. They need to do something different. Uh, the three-point contest, it's super fun and exciting. It's more competitive. Uh, the, the thing they did with the skills challenge this year, they, they made the rules pretty uh, complex, and it was kind of confusing to me at first. But overall, I had a good time. Like, I didn't know what was happening, but I, I felt like I was having a good time watching it. So, uh, you know, that's <laughs> which is kind of the whole point of all-star weekend. And then the, the actual game itself, you know, Luca, uh, he continued to honor Kobe Bryant by just scoring eight points as he's done in every single one of his, uh, his all-star game so far. Uh, I, I don't know if that's by design or not. I, I feel like it might just be a coincidence, but you know, he, uh, he doesn't really take these games very seriously. And he even said beforehand, uh, in his, in his, uh, pre-All-Star game press conference that, you know, he didn't really feel like this – the game is for – he didn't feel like the game is for him. He felt like it's more for, like, the highlight dunkers and and all that, and he said he'd just throw alley-oops. But I tend to disagree with him because, as we saw with Steph Curry, who just went absolutely nuts and uh, scored 50 points and made, like, 17 three-pointers, I think. (laughs) It can be – Luca. I'm not. I'm not mad. Luca needed to just relax and have a good time and and kind of reset his batteries a little bit, kind of run around there a little bit, not put too much effort into it. But you know what they should do with the dunk contest? I literally just thought of this, and it, it might be really stupid or it might be awesome. I'll let you be the judge. You know what they should do? They should lower the rim to nine and a half feet or nine feet, probably nine and a half feet, and then get like. MJ and Dominique Wilkins and Clyde Drexler to come back <laughs> and like do an old man dunk contest. 
I mean, people would tune into that. I, I like that idea a lot. I mean, if their knees can handle it, I, I, <laughs> I know Dirk definitely couldn't do it. If you look at how he's walking these days, which is kind of sad, but uh, yeah, I don't. I, even if you had to go down to nine feet, I mean, I, I'm all for that. <laughs> Vince Carter could get in there. And and like you said, going back to the the All Star game itself, I agree with you. You know, it's. I'm not mad at it either, you know, that Luca didn't do much uh, during the weekend because, you know, he deserves more of a break than anybody because he came into the break scoring 45-plus points in three out of his last four games, uh, and he's just been doing everything, especially since KP got traded. He's just taking it to a whole new level. Uh, but, you know, I I just don't want him to feel like – he doesn't belong there because he definitely does. Like people want to see Luca. If Luca came out and just like scorched everybody for 50 points in an all-star game, the place would go nuts. Like that's what people come to see. Uh, Steph Curry, he's not a highlight dunker and he takes that attitude in, in the all-star game. So, I mean, I'm fine with it. I know he needed the rest and he's not really into it. Maybe that changes, you know, as, as the years progress, he's only 22 and these other guys are, in their primes and towards the end of their primes and taking most of the spotlight. But I'm, I'm sure that'll, that'll pick up over the course of his career. But the biggest highlight for Mavs fans and Luca and, you know, pretty much anybody that follows the Mavs over all-star weekend was his embrace with Michael Jordan. Uh, You know, he was just chilling at halftime. Michael Jordan spotted him on the court, ran up to him, hugged him like he was his his child. (laughs) And they had a a great conversation. He's probably saying, I love you for making me so much money, Luca. Thank you. Here's my uh, championship winning superpowers. Now go win one for the Mavs this year. That's probably probably the discourse that happened there. What do you think? Uh, Exactly what happened. He just like he touched him and transferred (laughs) all of his his key over. Uh, it was cool. I mean, I, I, that was for me, that was like two different time periods of my life colliding into one. So it was, it was really cool. Um, he was probably challenging Luca to a one-on-one game after the all-star game or something, but, um, yeah, I mean, it was really cool. I I think that, um, and and saying it's really cool is, is understanding it based on the, the, the meme you shared in the group chat after it happened. So we we won't won't tell anybody about that in detail, but (laughs) we won't tell anybody about that, but it was, it was one of the cooler things I've seen in a while. Well, and then the memes that that popped up afterwards with like Carl Anthony towns and and all that stuff, It, it was, it was great. Yeah, the best best big man shooter ever tried to interrupt the moment and George. Right, do uh, not get it. me started on that BS. <laughs> all right, I don't care what his stats are. I don't care about any of that stuff. Just it's blasphemy, it, and I, I can't. I just can't. He's got a long, long way to go. And the funny part is, like, while he was he, Carl Anthony Towns won the three point contest this year, and the funny part is is as that was going on and the guy, the announcers and everybody was talking about it, they were, you know, talking about big men who had won it. They didn't even mention Dirk. Like Dirk won it back in 2006. And then he proceeded to take the Mavs and a roster where Josh Howard was the second best player. And you had a young Devin Harris and uh, Jason Terry. He took all them to the finals that year. (laughs) And then they, uh, then they won 67 games the previous year. So, 
And then we all know Dirk ended up being finals MVP and won, won a title, and he's still far and away above Cat uh, in the career three-pointers made. So, I mean, I don't know, man. I think it's more of an attention grab than anything else, and I think especially like the, the Minnesota – uh social media like them them as a franchise and then the social media part of it i think they've really latched onto this because they know it it creates high engagement it's all they have <laughs> it's really all they have. it really is like have you seen that have you seen that uh i don't know if it's a tiktok or whatever where the girl goes and like turns off the guy's xbox and she's like this is all you do and he's like this is all i have <laughs> That's that's kind of what that's kind of Minnesota. Like you try and, and I don't. And, and, and I mean, and I mean, look, Minnesota, they're they're a good young team. They've actually surprised me this year. They're they're like what three? I think they're three and a half games behind the Mavs uh, in the standings after they won against Memphis last night. And Anthony Edwards is a beast. He's going to be a superstar. He he's like way ahead of schedule. I think. And he doesn't even know it, which makes it, you know, even scarier. Uh, and then Cat, he's had a really good season too. But I mean, just to to completely disregard Dirk Nowitzki, a guy who Giannis even went out of his way uh, at All Star Weekend. You know, they were asking him about rubbing shoulders with you know MJ and uh, all of these other NBA greats, and he was just like, yeah, 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 that's great. But the guy he was really looking forward to you know, talking with and mingling with was Dirk Nowitzki because he opened the door uh, for all of the, the European guys, basically. You know, he, he he opened a new door for them, I guess you'd say. So you see, you see how a guy like Giannis respects and talks about Dirk, and then you see what Carl uh, Anthony Towns and the Minnesota Timberwolves are doing on their end and just kind of disregarding it. It's really just – it's really just uh, – it leaves a bad taste in my mouth. And maybe that's just because of all the Dirk and KG debates over the years. <laughs> They're still salty over that. I don't know. But they had more of a – they had more of an argument with KG than they did with Cat. So, but – Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm, I'm tired of the, the Minnesota slander. The, it's just – it's always something. It's either KG or it's Cat or whatever. It's just I'm over it. And you know what's funny? It's not just the Timberwolves because I remember uh, the the Minnesota uh, WNBA team uh, Twitter account. They uh, they came out. Luca said something about uh, going to the or no he he was supporting the Dallas Wings or something to that effect. It happened a couple years ago, so I don't remember exactly. But uh, he actually tweeted out like in support of the Wings, and then. Uh, the Minnesota Lynx, I believe it is, uh, tweeted or replied to him. It's like, yeah, well, why don't you actually go to a game? Like, made a sarcastic remark, and it's just like, how do you know he hasn't been to a game? You're just assuming, like, they. <laughs> so it's like, uh, maybe somebody in Minnesota runs all those social media accounts, and they just have something like really deep rooted against the Mavs. So I don't know. That would be my guess. <laughs> But anyway, past all the all-star stuff, past all the Carl Anthony Towns dirt drama stuff, uh, we actually have Mavs basketball back. And there's 23 games remaining in the season. The Mavs are 35 and 24. Uh, They're fifth in the West. They're only a game and a half behind the Utah Jazz for home court advantage in the playoffs. And they play the Jazz 
uh, in the first game back from the All-Star break, and they'll play them two more times after this this first game. So they they control their own destiny for home court in, in the Western Conference playoffs this year. And I'm really interested to see, you know, if Luca can keep keep up his uh, hot streak that he had going before the break. Because, I mean, Utah, they, they really don't have anybody that can stop Luca. I think he'll be able to get his. Uh, I'm, I'm hoping Reggie Bullock comes back from his hip contusion. We haven't heard any updates on that so far today. But I really feel like a starting lineup – and I know they're gonna they're gonna start Powell. <laughs> I mean that's just how it is. And Powell, to his credit, Matt, as much as we have complained about Powell in the past, he has been really good this year. I, I've got to give credit where credit is due. He has been good. But from just a pure matchup standpoint with the Utah Jazz, I would ideally I would like to see Luca, Jalen Brunson, uh, Reggie Bullock. Dorian Finney-Smith at the four, and Maxi Kleba at the five. Maxi, he's struggled at times this year, but these last couple of games, he's really started to get it going again. And I think that starting five, if you have every guy on the court can shoot threes and you space the floor and you get Rudy Gobert out of the paint, I'm not afraid of the Utah Jazz. I think the Mavs can handle, handle them fairly easily because we saw it on Christmas night. You know, we had, what, Charlie Brown getting minutes? on Christmas and and the Mavs still only lost by four to a healthy jazz team. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, I, I think the Mavs have a legitimate shot to get home court, but I mean, what, what do you think about this matchup tonight and going forward? I'm it, Honestly, if I'm the Mavs, I'm not afraid of anybody in the West except Phoenix. Maybe. Golden I agree with State. that. Um, but yeah, I mean, if you put that, I mean, that's the modern NBA blueprint is everybody on the floor can shoot threes. And I mean, it's like the dream blueprint. Um, everybody on the floor can shoot threes. Everybody can space you out. It's, and when <clears throat> that's, I've heard a lot of talk about, you know, Mavs people wanting to pursue go bear this off season, but like, it's, it's exactly this kind of situation that makes you not want to do that. Because if you, if you can completely neutralize a guy based on, you know, just changing up your lineup and that one of those guys is your best is one of your two best players, then, I mean, you know, that's, that's a pretty big disadvantage. So I, I really like the Mavs in this one, even if they leave Powell in the lineup, I mean, he can at least pretend that he can shoot threes. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, People still fall for that. It's amazing. Yeah. I I don't get why they still (laughs) fall for it, but it, it is what it is. Um, I, I, I do, I do like the Mavs if they, if they took, if they drew Utah in a series tomorrow on a seven game series, I would take the Mavs and probably five or six. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I'm uh, the, the jazz, they really don't worry me that much. I mean, I thought even last year, uh, in the second half of the season, we saw, you know how the jazz, how the Mavs played against the Jazz when they put Dorian Finney-Smith as a as a small ball four, and uh, you know uh, KP was at the five then too, and you saw how that gave Gobert problems. And I mean, I get it. I mean, it would be the same. You'd have similar issues if he was in Dallas, but I just think you know if you also have a center of his caliber, uh, multiple time Defensive Player of the Year, uh, he can finish lobs. 
Uh, he, he's kind of like the ideal center you want with Luca, aside from you know him not being able to stretch the floor. But you know, as as much as as Luca loves playing with Dwight Powell, it would be incredible to see what he could do with Gobert. It's just a matter of you know, do you want to pay? <laughs> do you want to pay that much for a center for the uh, for the next handful of years? So uh, I, I would well, yeah, be for and, it. And, also- and I see the limitations, but. You also have to consider that you're spending a ton of money on a guy that, depending on who you're who you're playing, could he could just be completely worthless in a series. Yeah. Um, so that, that's that's but we're not going to go off on that rabbit hole. That's just... and I mean and I mean let's just let's let's think about what the Mavs did at the trade deadline too. I mean. If you're a basketball junkie, then you know there's no better time of year than the NBA playoffs. Twice a week, J.J. Redick is cooking on his podcast, The Old Man and the Three. He has guys come on in all stages of their careers to talk about the league and share stories you won't hear anywhere else, including Devin Booker on why he talks so much trash, Ray Allen's epic free throw competitions with LeBron in Miami, and the moment Tyrese Halliburton knew Pascal Siakam would be a good fit in Indy. In addition to player interviews, every Monday, J.J. breaks down the top three things happening around the NBA with unmatched analysis, not outlandish takes, and is often joined by masterminds of the game like Tim Legler to dive deep on rookie reports, trade breakdowns, and why is mean mugging now a tech? You won't find another outlet that covers the game as comprehensively and with such insight as JJ does it on The Old Man and the Three. Make this your companion podcast during the playoffs. Listen to The Old Man and the Three ad-free on Wondery Plus or wherever you get your podcasts. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. KP, he's not he hadn't been shooting threes, even though his his overall averages were okay this year. He was shooting a career low from three, like under 30% uh in the games he had played so far this season. And, you know, if if he wasn't gonna be able to space the floor, then it's like, well, what do you bring to a playoff series? You know, how do you how do you raise that ceiling for the Mavs in the playoffs if you're not gonna be able to shoot? So it's almost like the Mavs made that trade where it's like, okay, you bring in Spencer Dinwiddie, another secondary uh, ball handler off the bench, uh, Davis Bertans, who that's basically all he does is shoot threes. Even though he's had a down year, he's still shooting like 55, 56% from the corners. And uh, he's been a lot better here lately. 
I want to talk over, about that in a second, by the way. Yeah, yeah. He's been a, been a whole lot better lately. I think over his last, like, 20 games or so, he's raised his – let's see, he was 31.9% on the season at the time of the trade. and But then if you look at, like, his last 20 games of the season, uh, he was up to, like – I think 37, 38%. And he's a 40% uh, career three-point shooter. And like Nico Harrison said on the podcast last week, you know, guys who are that good of career three-point shooter, they don't just forget how to shoot. So, I mean, it, it, it that kind of gave them the impression that something else was going on in Washington. And, you know, we've kind of already seen where both of those guys can be helpful helpful for the Mavs going into the postseason. But I think that was kind of the the thinking behind it. Like, you know, if KP's not going to be able to shoot threes, we might as well turn him into two players that, you know, specialize in things we actually need right now and, you know, kind of uh, kind of double our chances of getting something in the playoffs. Yeah, so here's my thing about the, the Bertans and, and Dinwiddie thing. So a lot of people hated the trade. And, like, I, I understand – the people that did because you have a guy who you invested so much, not just regular money into, but you invested so much. If you're a fan, especially you invested so much emotional capital into when they, when they acquired him. Um, and then they see the guys coming back and they're like, well, this is a terrible hole in, in, in comparison. And it's, you know, look at these stats and look at what he's done this year and that, and, and, you know, back half of last year, he was trapped, well, whatever. But I think what people fail to take into account when you're looking at player stats, and this is why I, I never put as much into stats as everybody else does. You have, like, people don't take into account who these players are playing with at their current, at, before the Mavs acquired them. So, you have to take into account the situation, the players around them, the offense they're playing in, the all of that stuff, their injuries, their everything. And if you just look at raw numbers, like, oh, he's shooting 20% this year, he sucks. It's like, well, no, there's something else going on. He's playing with a bad organization, with a bad roster. He's been off and on the court most of the year. Coming now back from an playing, injury. Yeah, and now that he's playing – consistently and he's starting and he's playing with a guy like Luca he's starting to hit threes again it's amazing how that works <laughs> it, 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 like I think one of the best examples of this honestly outside of Bertans is DeMar DeRozan like he, he goes from a, a bad team in San Antonio that was just you know the, the ultimate definition of mediocre and we're pushing so hard for the Mavs to sign him in free agency, and they don't. And everybody's like, oh, thank God. And now he's an all-star in Chicago because he's playing with a good team and a good coach and a good system. Yep. It's, it's amazing how that works, you know? It, <laughs> so I, I'm, I'm just kind of tired of hearing these, you know, people regurgitate these raw stats that really there, there's nuance to it. You have to – dissect it a little bit and examine it before you can just be like oh well he shoots 25 percent from three this year he's trash no no yeah take, the, a, take the, a deeper look yeah the 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 rosen thing is still very much a sore subject with me because i had so many people tell me that he was just a bad player and you know the mavs should not want him on the team and i'm thinking like have we looked at the roster lately 
because it's like uh, you know when, when you looked at the roster before the season, it's like I don't I don't know why people wouldn't want DeRozan even even before he's had this breakout year with the Bulls. But I mean, it's exactly what I envisioned. You know, get get DeRozan in a situation where he's not the lone number one guy where he has help around him. You know, he's got Lonzo Ball and uh, Zach Levine and uh, Vooch. You know, he's got good pieces around him in Chicago, and he's thriving. Super happy for him. I'm, I'm happy for the Chicago Bulls. Uh, they're probably going to win you a little bit of money from me uh, well, with how well he's playing lately. <laughs> I, I think I said this earlier. Maybe it was in our, in our uh, DM with Kirk. But the Bulls did what I wanted the Mavs to do in free agency, so I have like this <laughs> emotional attachment to them right now. It's, yeah, it's like this is the idea we wanted, and it is thriving just in another city. So it's like we have to pull for it. like, yeah, look what's happening. This could have been us. Yeah. <laughs> but hey, if Luca, if Luca keeps playing like he's been playing here lately, the Mavs can beat anybody on any given night. And I mean, he he's got a. Uh, nutritionist now he's gotten himself in excellent shape uh he just he looked really good at all-star weekend like you can just tell there's such a big difference in how he looked in the first couple months of the season and how he looks now it's like he's really really taking it to heart and he's taking this stuff seriously with his uh with his conditioning and you know his nutrition stuff so that's a really good sign uh then you have the you know with kp being gone he doesn't really have to cater to getting kp certain shots Uh, i really didn't like what kyle kuzma had to say about he basically alluded that or alluded he basically said that you know kp wasn't really as much of a part of something in dallas as what he could have been and matt if you look at okay so kp was averaging 15 field goal attempts per game what does kyle kuzma know about anything in dallas nothing nothing but it just it made me mad and we we wrote a few things about it on dallasbasketball.com too but it just like if you i don't know how anybody can say that kp wasn't a big part of it because like they they made a concerted effort this season to make sure kp was fully involved he had 15 field goal attempts per game that's the same as Chris Middleton, it's more than Jimmy Butler on the Heat. Uh, James Harden is averaging 16 field goal attempts per game this year. I mean, come on, man. He had opportunities. <laughs> yeah, everybody wants to act garbage like, now. Yeah, everybody wants to act like, uh, you know, playing with Luca. Oh, he got shut out and wasn't able to realize his potential because he's playing with Luca. I mean, that's that's so far from the truth that. It just makes it's me just mad. Damaged goods. <sighs> but anyway, and by the way, you know there was there was talk that he might play before the All Star break. KP might make his debut for Washington before the All Star break, and then it was the same thing. Oh well, no, he's not going to play now. He's not going to play now. Oh, maybe after the All Star break. And then I just saw an update a while ago saying that there's no timetable for his return. So yeah, because they uh, got him, and they were like, oh shit. <laughs> his knees falling off there's i mean there's a reason toronto backed out you know and didn't want to you know there was there were talks about Dragic, a pick and Stop. i'm sure there would have been other filler but you know there's a reason that toronto backed out of that deal and it was likely due to kp's medical stuff you just so. had to bring that up 
How are you doing, by the way, since Dragic is in Brooklyn? At least he's no. with Nash, right? Have you ever seen 500 Days of Summer? Where the guys like just absolutely in love and motivated and like wanting to make everything work, and he's so like gung ho about everything, and then it all falls apart, and he's just the most depressed person on the planet. That's me. Well, I feel bad, but you know, 500 days of Drogic. It's like just when you think, and every, literally everybody thought it was going to happen, just when you think, it's like now is the moment. Now is when this is going to happen. The Mavs shock everybody by trading KP, and they get Spencer Dinwiddie back, who kind of fills that, <laughs> that void uh, that they, they needed as the secondary playmaker off the bench. And I, I personally thought that him and uh, – You know what's so frustrating about the whole thing, too? And somebody pointed this out to me on Twitter, and I was just like, "Yeah, that 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 really is how it how it is." We wait wait around for three or four years, like going back and forth about whether or not they should get this guy, and he keeps being connected and all this stuff. And then the the Nets just go out one day, and they're like, "Well, he's cheap and he's not bad. Let's just grab him real quick and see how it works out." And then he's just scooped up by another team. Supposedly, the Nash connection is what – well, there's two things. I mean, the Mavs, I really do believe they were the favorite to land him, especially given how the Nets have, have slid lately in the Eastern Conference standings. I mean, they've been awful. Luka uh, to the Nets confirmed. What was that? Luka to the Nets confirmed. Yeah. <laughs> but, you know, that they've been on a skit. They can't stay healthy. Kyrie Irving can only play in half the games because he's not vaccinated. Uh, you know, they, they've been sliding down the standings. And I think if the Mavs hadn't made that trade and gotten a guy like Spencer Dinwiddie, who's making, you know, what, $18 million a year. And I mean, he's, he, he averages almost six assists a game. I think, I think that that's, that's what his numbers are. I have to look and see it's five or six, but, um, you know, getting a guy like him, in there, it made – I think it probably made Dragic look at other situations where he would have a bigger role too. And Brooklyn, as much as they've been struggling and the fact that Kyrie Irving literally can't play in half the games, I think that paired with uh, – that paired with his relationship with Steve Nash who mentored, mentored him in uh, Phoenix early in his career, I think that's what, you know, made the made the difference for him. So – I get it. I mean, he's still he's still going to be a uh, free agent at the end of this year and in the summer, and you know, you never know what can happen with big I'm trades around the draft. And... <laughs> I, <laughs> Don't I, get I'm your. Just, I'm done. I, no, I'm <laughs> done. Like I'm not even going to speculate anymore. I'm just I'm so emotionally defeated and destroyed that I'm just you know. Well, the, the good news is I don't think he's too far off from retirement, so you won't have to worry about it altogether at, at some point. But I'm, st- I'm still going to uh, get a custom Mavs jersey made with his number and Drog- Drogic on it. Need to do it. Keep the dream alive. Um, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, we'll close on this, and I, I want to go back to the playoff thing before we before we close because you mentioned how you know there's really, aside from the Phoenix Suns, you know, you're really not – you look at the standings, there's really not a team you look at. It's like, oh, well, the Mavs can't beat them in the playoffs because 
the Phoenix Suns are the Phoenix Suns. They're 49 and 10, and the Mavs have had trouble beating them no matter who they put on the floor over the past handful of years. Uh, so you don't want to play them. Golden State, you know, even – and that would be in – either one of these would be like in a second-round type of situation. But, you know, Golden State, the Mavs have proven that they can beat Golden State. Would you want to play – uh, three-time champion Steph Curry, Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, and company in the playoffs. Probably not, but you know they they do have the tools to beat them if they did play them. The Memphis Grizzlies, the Mavs own the Grizzlies. Uh, they won the season series three-one, uh, and the only one they lost was the one that Luca didn't play in. So I mean, that, I just I don't think that would as good as Memphis has been this year. Uh, I think the Mavs would handle the Grizzlies fairly easily. And then you got the Jazz and the Nuggets. Uh, I think the the Nuggets are still banged up. Jokic is amazing, but I think the Mavs can handle both of those teams as well. So if the playoffs started today, it would be Mavs and Jazz. And game one would be in Utah because Jazz are currently the number four seed. So, Going into this game tonight, I'm just going to pretend like it's game one of a first-round series and see how the Mavs do. <laughs> yeah, that's a good way to look at it. I mean, every game matters from here on out because um, you want to you want to get that home court advantage. But I mean, you're right. There's there's nobody that really if it was if it was the if it was Golden State from like three years ago, I would say Golden State and Phoenix. But the, it's not Clay. You don't know what's going to happen with him. You know. The rest of that roster isn't fantastic. <clears throat> Andrew Wiggins was an all-star. I, I, that seems like more of a joke that he was a starter <laughs> than anything else. Fan uh, votes, baby. Yeah, you got to love the fan votes. It's going to be like Nate Robinson next year or something now that they've opened that Pandora's box. But, I mean, he's having a good year. I'm being sarcastic. But you know what I mean. It The, the one team that scares you is Phoenix. And the one team that you look at and you're like, oh, wow, the Mavs should do everything they can to make sure they're matched up with this team, whether it's as the four seed or the five seed, is is Utah. So, um, and I, I know Utah is a tough place to play, but I, I just think the Mavs match up very well. And, and you could, I guess you could say the same thing about Memphis, but I, I would rather the play thing- Utah just for the fact that you can completely neutralize their second best player if you really want to. Yeah, I, I agree with that because I mean Jaron Jackson Jr. He's 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 kind of he has it. He's either really really good or he's like not good. He's very seems like he's kind of inconsistent. He's a very good player, but you know the he hasn't been great uh, when he's played against the Mavs this year. But you know I, I agree with that point. I think you can take more advantage of how the Jazz used Rudy Gobert, uh, kind of like how the Mavs did with uh, Zubac in the Clippers series, but. The difference was the Clippers had uh, Kawhi Leonard and Paul George. <laughs> right. Where, you know, the Jazz, I mean, Donovan Mitchell, he's really good, but, I mean, he's no – He's terrifying. He's no, he, he's no Paul George or uh, or Kawhi Leonard. So, I mean, that, and that was my thinking too. You know, Luka went out there and averaged like a 36-point triple-double in a seven-game series against the Clippers, who have arguably two of the best uh, – wing defenders in the league perimeter defenders and you know you look at the jazz and it's like well who who is going to contain luca 
(laughs) There's nobody who's going to contain Luka. So, I mean, if his three is falling, he might go out there and average like 45 in a series or something crazy like that. Um, But, I mean, I – the thing I would I would be I think Memphis would be my preferred uh, first round matchup, but I don't think it's going to happen because the Mavs would have to fall down a spot in the standings, and that wouldn't be good for morale. Or I think they're going to keep I think they're going to keep winning at enough of a clip to where they won't drop below fifth. They'll either be fifth or they'll win enough against the Jazz to move up into that fourth spot and have home court. But either way, uh, the the final stretch is here. We're going to have a lot of fun covering it, and, you know, hopefully hopefully the Mavs can get past the first round for the first time in 11 years because, uh, you know, the last couple of years, they, they should have done it last year for sure. You know, the previous in the bubble, we were mainly basing it off of, well, if KP hadn't been ejected or if he hadn't tore his meniscus last season, 100% they should have won it. You know, Rick Carlisle shouldn't have subbed out Luka when he was hot in game three, they could have potentially gone up three games to nothing and won that one. Uh, you never know what could happen there. But now, you know, Luca, he's as hungry as he has ever been. Uh, a lot of these guys, they've, uh, you know, Jason Kidd has really changed the defensive mentality with this team. And I think they're, I think they're more equipped uh, to win a, a playoff series now than they have been in previous years. So we'll see how it goes. But uh, Matt, anything else before we take off here? I'm good. Um, Go Bulls. <laughs> well, guys, we appreciate it. Y'all have a great rest of your week uh, or weekend, rather. It's Friday. Happy Friday. Uh, be sure to go like, rate, and subscribe on all your favorite podcast platforms. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Uh, if you do that, you automatically enter yourself into any future giveaways we do. We do ticket giveaways and stuff of that nature. So if you go leave us a review, you're automatically entered into those. And people who have already done that in the past, same thing. You know, you're you're entered, entered into those uh, future giveaways. So, guys, appreciate it. Y'all be sure to join our Mavs Step Back Watch Party tonight for Mavs Jazz. Uh, the Discord will be pinned on my Twitter page. And y'all have a good one. We'll see you next time.